We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon. Hopefully, uh, we have fixed our audio problems that have taken up the first uh, couple minutes. Uh, we're talking about the Indiana Wake Forest postgame show. Uh, we'll get TJ back here in a second. Um, and, and hopefully, uh, it'll work out. Um, so, we're having some issues if it's... Um, if we're continuing to have issues, we'll just end the show early. Uh, hopefully, we can figure it out. Uh, if not, we'll we'll start a new show and, and call um, and get people back in. Uh, so, uh, last week, Indiana suffered a 33-28 uh, defeat at the hands of Wake Forest. It was a weird game uh, in terms of you had a quarterback that um, TJ, can you hear me now? Yes, I'm good. Yep. Excellent. I think we figured it out. Um, Technical difficulties for the first couple of minutes. Um, Hopefully uh, we don't lose any, any listeners and and we'll put a note on that uh, when we put the podcast out. But um, anyway, the, uh, the game, a loss, a 33-25 or 28 uh, defeat uh, at the hands of Wake Forest. It was a, uh, to me, a weird game. TJ, you know, you had a quarterback who threw five interceptions, yet set the school record uh, for most passing yards in a game with 496. Um, there's a lot to take away that you don't like, and a lot to take away that you do like. The defense only gave up 27 points. Um, 28 points, uh, yeah, 27 points because uh, they went for two and missed it. But, um, you know, they held them to 320 or 350 yards of offense. Uh, the defense is put in a lot of bad positions because of the turnovers. Yes. Uh, what, what are your uh, takeaways from the from this game? Yeah, I think, I mean, the first thing that comes to your mind is weird, frustrating, missed opportunity. Um, I, I leave that game – feeling very confident that Indiana is a better team than Wake Forest, but did not deserve to win the game because of the mistakes they made. Um, The five turnovers are obvious, and in addition to that, uh, the penalties. Um, You're not going to win a game against a competent opponent when you turn the ball over that much and give them first downs multiple times in a drive to them scoring a touchdown. Um, 
it was unfortunate because I thought that the, particularly the first face match penalty uh, on that Lake Forest, ultimately their, the game, the drive that ended up putting the game away for them. Um, the first face match penalty was a complete phantom call. I still have no idea what they were calling there. Um, then you had a, another face mask that I, that one was a bit more obvious. So, you know, you can't say it was all just poor officiating. I, I think Indiana uh, made some mistakes there, but, you know, it's frustrating to have that occur to the defense when, right when Indiana had gotten back into the game. But uh, I I think the defense was put in a lot of bad situations. You're 100% correct there. Um, I think they played – uh, I think the defense played well enough to win that game. Um, credit to Wake Forest for doing some good things on offense, uh, but I think the defense did a pretty good job, and Wake Forest just made enough plays on offense to get it done. Um, but I, overall, it's strictly down to the five turnovers. Um, yeah, and, and I think I, a lot think of it comes down to, um, including turnovers, you know, IU couldn't get a running game going. Um, they they had 116 yards in the game. They were missing their entire right side of the offensive line. All-American Dan Feeney missed the game uh, yeah. with, uh, you know, the lingering concussion. And, uh, you know, Demetri Camille missed the game with a, a back thing, as, as Kevin Wilson calls it. Um, that sounds like, you know, some gross, you know, medical thing. But, um you know, hopefully well, those two are back. back. Injuries linger, so yeah. Hopefully those two are back. Gonna, yeah, you I hope. hope it's something yeah, I mean, they, like they back spasms, badly. where you know he just couldn't go that week and, and he could come yeah. back. Um, but you know, you you're gonna need those two this week coming up against a, a very strong Michigan State team. But I, I think to me, you know, going into the season, TJ, we talked about run efficiency and divine reading. And we saw it last year where we struggled against Ohio state, Penn state, um, Michigan and Michigan state. He didn't get that many carries. And that's where Jordan Howard was so good at, at getting that extra yard, hitting the hole with authority um, and, you know, keep churning out those yards and, you know, chalk some of it up to, to missing your, you know, two fifths or 40% of your offense. And Big Bailey being hobbled for most most of the game, um, you know, Divine Redding's got a little bit better um, and have a little bit more burst. Saw Cole Guest, hopeful he he's back again this week. He hit you know the hole with a burst and and you know he was you know an arm tackle for break one of those long runs. Uh, but you know there are a lot of concerns uh, coming out of this game in terms of play calling. You know. I thought with 58 seconds left in the first half, down 21-7, you had decent field position um, and, and three timeouts. And it's not like the NFL where a minute is more like 35 seconds. You know, clock stops on the first on, on first downs. Uh, and Wake Forest will probably give you a little bit uh, underneath in terms of throwing the ball. But, you know, they came out with – and it seems like this is the typical Indiana end of the half offense they came out with little urgency ran the ball twice took a timeout with three seconds left for whatever reason um Mm -hmm. and just instead of trying to steal three points you know go into the half with a little bit of momentum um they uh they 
didn't get it done. They they went to you know that they, they didn't move the ball. They they ran the ball, and instead of it being a twenty one ten game, they they ended up kicking the ball to Wake Forest. I, I believe it was twenty four seven. They stopped him on the first drive, and then you know Wake Forest got right. a field goal, making it twenty four seven. And you know it's the, the the crowd left, and and we'll get to that in a little bit uh, anyway. Uh, but to me, the play calling, and then at the end of the ha- second half, uh, with about six minutes left, they're running. I know Wake was playing farther off the ball, and IU is taking what they're giving them. But having Divine Writing run four yards at a clip, and he doesn't have, he's not going to break big runs against Wake Forest. Uh, you know, where is Mike Majette? Where is Devontae Williams? Um, where are these guys who could, you know, has, have the home run threat to, to break a run if you're going to run? Uh, otherwise, you know, I thought they got too conservative on, on offense. Uh, there on the last drive took too much time, especially with no timeouts, and ultimately it cost them. I mean, it was it was a minor miracle that IU lost by five points, and with 11 seconds left, they're lining up for, you know, an onside kick where if you recover it, you're a, a hail mary away from, you know, winning the game. Uh, but yeah. to me, a lot of things have to change uh, going into this week, and we'll get to that in our pregame podcast. Uh, later in the week, but uh, to me, it, it was just a head-shakingly frustrating loss. But it, it is not a, it's not a season ender. Um, it's it's not one that that puts you it puts you behind the chains a little bit and, and erases your margin of error. But it, it's not a season wrecker. You still have winnable games on the schedule. You just have to win those games. Plus. The offense didn't look, aside from the interceptions, you know, they looked all right. They put up 611 yards on this team. Um, that's a very good defense, and they start to get 6-0. So, you know, a lot of people jumped off the wagon on Saturday. It takes a lot of the lust off of this week, especially Michigan State losing as well. Uh, but, you know, what we know about Kevin Wilson's teams is that they usually follow up a stinker like this with, with their best efforts. That's your hope. I mean, I, you know, I, I think it's, it was really, really weird. It's a really weird stat line and a, more importantly, just weird to consider you, any game is going to be taken as, okay, what do we take from that moving forward uh, from an analysis standpoint? For the offense, we kind of came into it with, can the passing game continue to or start to really generate big plays. You know, we saw a couple of big plays to Nick Westbrook the previous week, uh, previous game against Ball State, but overall there was a lack of big plays in the passing game. So it was a question of, all right, is the passing game still going to be able to generate big plays? And we saw that in spades. I mean, we saw, we had talked about kind of the, the disappearing act from Ricky Jones in those first two weeks. Well, I mean, he showed that there's really no need to be worried about his production at all. He was fantastic. Uh, they were unable to cover him. Uh, Mitchell Page and his involvement, he was really good. Uh, uh, Nick Westbrook was great again. I mean, he looks like a star receiver, not in the future, but you know, maybe right now. Uh, so I, I think that that's something you can take away from it in the positive. Uh, and then Richard Lego, uh, he showed you all the things that would make you very excited about this passing game. He showed you the ability 
to fire some bullets into tight windows uh, when they need to be put there on slant patterns and, and out routes. He showed you the ability to hit the deep ball, which we were concerned about uh, in that first game where he overthrew things. He also showed you reason to be somewhat concerned, and that's, you know, the, the interceptions. Now, to be fair to Lego, and I, I think some of the criticism he's taken has, has really discounted the fact that not all of those interceptions were were his fault. No, and and Wilson is talking right now in Bloomington and about the turnovers, and uh, he said that, you know, he thinks that four of the five interceptions are not Legault's fault, and Wilson's taken the blame for the last one and said it was a greedy play call on his part, um, you know, on on that, which, you know, you're protecting him a little bit, and he called the, the, you know, the biggest mistake Legault made – the the biggest mistake uh made was um was the unsuccessful penalty that put him behind the chains with the chance to yeah to make a drive yeah. down the field and, and score the ball uh, or uh touchdown and take the lead to me that you know, I could hear it in your voice when you sigh talk about it but to me that play was just everything boiled over um it, it looked like it could have been a late hit out of bounds. He had already thrown, you know, four or or the fifth pick, and you know, and everything I was just it. had that drive on defense where four penalties for was it forty five yards, forty six yards, something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. four penalties for a ridiculous for, number in one drive yeah, had just been called. So yards. I understand the frustration for sure, and yeah, I do and agree it, with Wilson that not all of those interceptions were his fault. I mean, the first one. Uh, in the interception or the uh, end zone to Luke Simeon, a real game changer, um, chance to go up by 14 points early, really hit him in the mouth. Uh, that ball came in real hot. Could Simeon have caught it? I, I don't know. I guess initially I thought, well, that hit him in the hands. Upon replay, it hit him in one hand, and that was because he extended to get it, and it was a bullet. I mean, there, it would have been an incredible catch, but you know, unfortunate deflection. Ball gets tipped up into the air. Typically, bad things happen, and that's what occurred. Uh, the one to Westbrook, uh, Westbrook should have caught that ball. Uh, so one mistake Nick Westbrook had on the day. Bates picks it off, runs it back. Again, unfortunate deflection, and when the ball goes up in the air, bad things happen. Uh, he overthrows Ricky Jones across the middle. Um, that one, I, I believe that's the one that got deflected uh a little bit at the line of scrimmage. Another one, he got hit as he was throwing it. So Yeah, running back or a tight end missed a block, and the guy just came yeah, unblocked yeah. And, and hammered him. So, yeah. I mean, a lot of them are, like, you know, and the, the word of the day is weird. I mean, credit to their defense, right? Credit exactly. to their defense because they, they made the plays every time they had an opportunity to on defense. Yeah, uh, I mean, yes, how many times? Indiana shredded their defense for over 600 yards, which I don't know if anybody else in the country – or anybody else on their schedule is going to put up more than 600 yards on them. Well, maybe Florida State. Um, so that's impressive. It's in, okay, well, Louisville probably will if they want to. But, you know, not very many teams are going to do that to them, and only elite offenses are going to do that to them. Now, Wake Forest will take it because they won the game, they scored a touchdown on defense, and they forced those those turnovers. So, you know, they'll take it as a trade off, but – I think you have to be encouraged about that aspect of it. 
about the yardage, which tends to be replicable. I mean, uh, you know, your yards over the course of a season, best offenses tend to end up with the most yards. Um, now, if Indiana continues to make the kind of, uh, you know, turnovers that we saw and it becomes more than a one-week thing, you know, then you start to consider, well, okay, what do we need to do differently on offense? And the answer right away is, well, we need to have better balance. You know, you can't have Lego being forced to throw the ball as much as he had to on Saturday. Like you said, part of that's down to the for the linemen not being there. Um, so big picture, I think you need to look at, number one, are the turnovers going to continue? I don't think so. Uh, I think we'll see that cleaned up, and I don't think we'll see this offense be that sloppy again uh, the rest of the year. I certainly hope not. And then number two, can the balance return to this offense when they take on good deep? Are they going to be able to uh, be a balanced offense, which is the goal? And I think it would certainly make for a more – uh, I think it would help the defense a lot, as we talked about. You know, the better you can run the ball, the less time your your defense is going to be on the field. And I, I think it would help the passing game be more efficient and less turnover prone, obviously, if Lego's not having to check it around as much as he did on Saturday. So those are kind of the big picture questions. And it's, it's uh, you'd like to have those questions after a win, find a way to come out with a close one even though you played pretty poorly, but that unfortunately didn't happen. Yeah, and, and, you know, a lot of things went wrong. It was just, you know, a copper on a on a bad week for IU football overall. Um, but this is it's, – it's a game where, you know, usually the first get loss of the season, you know, we're thinking, you know, it's – over, you're comparing it to Rutgers last year, and I, I'm guilty as anybody of doing that. But you know, coming out of that game, it was you didn't feel awful. Um, it, you felt know, putting up 611 yards total. Yeah, you just felt like you know that that was a weird game. You know, we didn't throw five picks, and and listen, I, I'm a Jets fan. They turned the ball over eight times yesterday. It, it was not a good yeah. week for quarterbacks that I root for. Um, awful week. I, I don't understand how you turn the ball over eight times. And you thought five was bad. But a- anyway, it, it's you know a game that you have to take the good with the bad. Um, you know, I, as I tweeted out earlier, um, you know, on, on Sunday um, after the game, was there was the Nuke Lelouch stat line. Uh, you know, where uh, Lelouch struck out 18, a new league record. It also walked 18, a new league record. Um, and, and you have Legault setting a, a Memorial City record and, and the school record for passing yards. So it, it's – will he throw five interceptions again? You hope not. Think happen. Will he throw picks again? Probably because everybody yeah. does. But, you know, they're going to – they're going to – this is their guy. If there was ever a time to pull your quarterback, it was last week. Um, you know, and, and it – just hey, it's not your day. Um, we're we're gonna go with somebody else. But he threw for nearly 500 yards, and to me, you know, yeah, all these fans clamoring for Xander Dion. or I believe there were rumors of a Peyton Ramsey chant in this in what was left of the student section uh, in the second half. 
but you know, Ramsey. What? I don't. I don't get it. Ramsey might be a nice player in the future, but he's gonna yeah. redshirt this year. And and you know what you have in Diamond. He's a guy with a career, you know, forty-eight uh, percent completion percentage. He has one career touchdown throw. Um, you really think that that he would solve that problem? And you know, it, it wasn't a mobility issue on Legault's part. Um, you know, it, it's you know, it, it's w- would you have liked to see maybe Austin King come in? Maybe, but Legault was playing. You know, he he wasn't throwing five interceptions for you know 110 yards, and and his completion percentage was in the 30s. He completed, right. I, I think, above 50 percent of his passes. Um, long with three throws, touchdowns like and, and, and long throws. throws. No, they were not easy throws. And so you know, people need to pump the brakes on on Xander. Um, you know, he's not the answer to your turnover problem. Uh, the answer is making better throws, having guys not miss assignments on blocks, catching the ball um, when it comes to you, uh, and, and maybe not trying to force things. Um, and, and understanding maybe putting a little a little touch on it, like Timmy and throw, if you throw that a little a little softer, a little lower, um, yep. at the touchdown and and the game that you know, the game is 14, nothing instead of uh seven, seven, and then 14, seven. But uh, to me, you know, there's, there's a lot of issues to clean up. One of them on special teams, another blocked kick. Uh, that's, that's two and three weeks. Um, mm-hmm. And it was another guy that was unblocked and people will talk about the timing of it. it the guy was unblocked and, and the right wing on, on the field goal, uh, protection didn't even make a move to make this guy go go out um, and, and kind of you know to steal a baseball term to the banana around uh, uh, around that that edge and then you know against Ball State in the punt they they just missed a block too so that's those are two areas that need to be cleaned up as well um, what I did like to see I, I like the the uh, Tyler Nitti and and uh, Clyde Newton package. I didn't really like it on, on fourth down uh, and one. I thought that, you know, there's no margin for error. It's the first time you're running for this and, and flashbacks of Chris Coven against Bowling Green came back. Um, but you know, it worked well um, in the red zone. It worked well getting that touchdown. And, you know, if you mm-hmm. want to get that as the first non-quarterback rushing touchdown of the year, I, I guess you could count that. But, you know, it was good to see them open the playbook a little bit. Uh, good to see that uh, Natey and Clyde Newton, that package, I think will be exciting to watch. Um, and, you know, just cleaning up the – these are fixable mistakes. This isn't a lack of talent. Um, it isn't, you know, these are things that, you know, you go back and, and, and go back to the tape, go back to practice and, and clean that up. It's so it, they're, they're fixable and that's what's encouraging. Um, yeah, I, I think that, well, we don't know a hundred percent that they are fixable. Uh, a couple of the things that I'm not sure are a hundred percent fixable because we have seen it as a, a repeat issue 
I'm not 100% sure we won't continue to see uh, special teams issues. I'm not 100% sure we won't continue to see this team be penalized way too much. Um, so that that's a bit concerning for sure. But for the most part, I do agree with you. These are things that you don't expect to repeat themselves if, if the – uh, coaching staff is able to get through to the players and, and teach, you know, throughout the week. And plus, some of it, I mean, some of it is, you know, bad luck, which sounds ridiculous to say, but it is true. There is such a thing as turnover luck, and you would not expect. Number one, you wouldn't expect to score the defensive touchdowns that you did against Ford International, and then you know it comes back with you turn it over five times, and every time there was a, a tip ball that could have been picked off. It pretty much was. And you wouldn't expect for the turnover luck to be quote that bad again. So I think that that's something that just by a larger sample size, it's going to work itself out throughout the year you would expect uh, and you would hope. So um, overall, I, I come out of the game uh, right away. I, you know, I'm thinking, okay, so how does this, you know, we had this projected as a win to help them get to that bowl game. So you come out of it with, well, changes perception-wise for me as I evaluate the rest of the season because that's college football by its nature is such a compact season. Every game does hold a lot of weight, and every result, win or loss that's unexpected, has to change some things in your evaluation of a team. Um, so – you know, for me, watching the rest of the Big Ten, I've been uh, – I think the Maryland game is going to be more difficult than initially expected. Uh, Rutgers lost to Nary and Grant for the season, a very, very big injury blow for them. I think that game might be a little bit uh, – probably about what expected because their defense appears pretty solid, but offensively they're going to really labor without Janary and Grant. Uh, Penn State – appears to be an easier game than you would have expected. Purdue is still, they might be a little improved, but they're still fairly a disaster. So you look at it and you say, okay, we've got still an opportunity to get another, we have an expectation of seven wins and not be called crazy. I think that six wins right now looks like something that's very doable. I think seven wins is doable. Uh, much more than that, you're, you know, you're probably being a bit pie in the sky, but you know, it's still uh, still out there for them to, to get to that eight wins that we thought was kind of a ceiling. So I think that the offense has proven that they're very capable of putting up big numbers. The defense, I think, is undoubtedly improved. I know that the, the scoring for Saturday's game – you don't love giving up that many points to Wake Forest, but I, I don't really blame the defense. They were put into a ton of bad spots, and I thought performed fairly admirably. Uh, not great, but pretty well, and they'll continue to improve, you would think. Uh, and if and it's a big if, they can get healthy along the offensive line, uh, and if we can see Camion Patrick fully utilized, which – he did play on Saturday. Uh, it wasn't mentioned on TV, and it, you know, if you weren't really looking for it, you wouldn't have seen it. Uh, so they clearly were not ready to unleash him yet and uh, really 
see what they have there. We hope that it's uh, a big added ingredient for this offense and a big addition. So if we can see that and and if they can clean up some of these, you know, the turnovers and the penalty mistakes, uh, special teams miscues, you know, there's enough there and enough reasons to really still be excited about this team despite the close loss on Saturday, which you know, it, it's one you'd, you'd love to have back, but you can't have any mulligans. So uh, it takes away some margin for error the rest of the way, but there's still quite a bit to be excited about beginning on Saturday with the Michigan State team that um, looked very good for one half of football so far this season. They've played three games. They were outstanding against Notre Dame for charitably three-fourths of that game. But now you kind of wonder, well, what's that really mean? Notre Dame one and off. three Notre Dame who lost at home to Duke. Yes. Yes. Um, and, and it was a, they put up 36 points on a Notre Dame defense who saw their defensive coordinator get fired four games into the season. So take that for what yeah. it's worth. Um, exactly. You don't and know. We'll get into the Michigan State. Uh, yeah, a little bit later week, and, and you have no idea. Notre Dame's. You know, it looked like at the time a great win on the road in South Bend. Um, until Duke went in there and um, beat them. And then, you know, you take that and look at, at Wake Forest, you know, say oh, it only beat Duke, it only beat Delaware and Tulane. Well, they beat the team that went up Notre Dame um, and, and and won. And they beat them at their place. So, you know, we'll see how Wake does. It, it, it's a team that, you know, they got NC State this week uh, and, and then followed up with Syracuse. So, you know, that's a team that could start 6-0. and They'll Definitely probably go to a, a a bowl game, and you know we wish them the best of luck. They they played their tails off. They they made the plays when they had to, and and we'll see how Kevin Wilson's team bounces back this week uh, into uh, you know the Big Ten opener at night against Michigan State. And, and before we go, TJ, I just I want to say go back to the Wilson comments on, on fan support last Monday, and, and I believe I said on the pregame show uh, last week that as a fan, I, I, I loved it, and as a writer, there was a part of me that hated it. it. It was something that could come back to bite you, and I think it, it all came back to, you know, basically blow up in his face. Um, and, and I think it's a thing that the, the Indiana staff, need to stop worrying about as you said it's something that they can't control um they yep. can't control how many fans buy tickets or how many um you know fans show up to the games unless they win and that's the only thing that they need to be focused on is win games because you know you you make comments like that we need you in the second half you know we've been close and you come out and put a, a together a, a first half against Wake Forest that you know left everybody they left the field to booze and they were rightfully booed off the field because uh, nothing went right in that first uh, first half except for that first play to to Nick Westbrook so you know maybe I don't know for a fact that students left because of those comments but you saw all most of that student section leave um after after halftime or after the second quarter um, was complete and, and didn't come back, even though IU made a furious comeback to try and win the game. 
and, and to me, it's I, I get that it's frustrating not having fans there. You know, the ticket sales were were very good last week. Uh, the announced crowd was forty five thousand. Um, so you know they're they're selling tickets now. It's up to just just win and and to to steal you know Al Davis and maybe well that IU needs to and and you know you could talk about selling beer in the stadium, talk about having a mascot um, and all that stuff. But once you start putting a, a product that that fans could get excited about, and, and six wins last year was was a good start. And it starts again by by trying to beat a, a top twenty opponent next week um, in Michigan State and, and start just have something to show for your efforts. Um, so yeah. to me, the, those I, those comments blew up in his face. Yeah, I I think it's fair to see it that way. I, I mean, I personally, um, I think that Kevin Wilson could get on the press conference or his radio show and, you know, lie and say, we have the best student section in the Big Ten. I love our students. Uh, they're great. We love our fan support. And leave it at that. He could do that, and the students wouldn't stay. It, their behavior would not be any different. Say, um, you know, students, we love having you in the first half. If you want to leave at halftime, okay, do whatever you want. And the student behavior would be the same. Um, I know the comments got attention. I don't think they changed behavior. I don't think they did anything other than get talked about. I I just don't think that the behavior and the culture is going to change based on any comments. So I would agree with you that it's probably best if, you know, avoid drawing any attention to it. You just don't say anything about it at all. Um, And it's too bad that it is that way. Uh, I wish that, I mean, look, this is a football program that is uh, a whole lot of schools would kill for the program to be as, uh, I will not say successful, but as entertaining as Indiana football is. From a strictly entertainment standpoint, it's a really entertaining product. Um, Not always good, not always well executed, not always winning by any means, but for the most part, competitive and really entertaining. And I think that for a long time I heard, well, you know, if you put an entertaining and competitive product on the field, we'll support it. Well, yeah, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think there are a lot of great diehard fans that are going to continue to support. They're going to read our site. They're going to read all the news they can about it. They're going to watch the games. They're going to go to the games. There's going to, you know, there's a great dedicated section of fans that get dismissed because people just say, oh, Indiana football, well, nobody cares. No, a lot of people care. It's just, it's a, for the most part, with Indiana football, the, the culture is, well, distraction until, you know, in between basketball practices. And it's too bad that that's the way that it is, but I think it very clearly is that way, and I don't think any comments would would change that one way or the other. So um, it's probably best to not mention it and go about, uh, you know, just focusing on what you can control on the field and just have kind of an idea of 
you know, the people that support us, we love them. And the ones that don't, it's an us against the world mentality. I guess that's kind of the way you need to approach it. And Hopefully they get a good crowd on Saturday and they give them something to cheer about and uh, come out with the win against Michigan State, which would be huge. You know, a loss, uh, a win would get you right back on schedule and would be a, I think a win over Michigan State with the loss of a Wake Forest would be the, you know, best three and one start you could hope for as opposed to going three and zero and then losing to Michigan State. I think you'd take the the Michigan State win and a three and one start that way. But uh, hopefully we get to get to experience that, get the platoon back, and have that kind of catapult your season. Um, if not, you know, after that you're Columbus and. Uh, you're playing the Buckeyes, and then you you kind of regroup after that because that'll be a that'll be a difficult test. But you know we'll deal with the Spartans first, and it's a game that if Indiana plays really well, I do think that they have the opportunity to be in that contest and have a chance. Uh, they're gonna have to earn it and play really well. But if they do, I think that uh, Michigan State is a team that Indiana can compete with, no doubt. Yeah, and that's you're exactly right. It's all, all hands on deck for Michigan State. A win next week wipes out um, the loss last week. I I, I yeah. do uh, a note for our fans. Um, we 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 do love our readers um, and we appreciate it. Uh, so what we're doing, we're having a, a Hoosier Huddle tailgate on on Saturday. I, I believe we're starting at noon. Um, or one o'clock it's on in the purple lots on the, the, the North side of the stadium. Uh, we created a Facebook event. I will put out uh, a tweet with the uh, map of the location. Um, a friend of the show, Brian Tonsoni is, is help hosting it. Uh, so please come out, talk football with us. Uh, enjoy a, a beverage, um, you know, a hot dog or hamburger. Uh, you know, it'll, it'll just be a good time. Uh, before big game and and really you know soak in that that first Big Ten game of the year. So hopefully we'll we'll see you there. Introduce yourselves, um, and, and we'd love to to meet you. So, but TJ, uh, that does it for today's show. Um, we'll put a, we put a bow on on Wake Forest. We'll have the Michigan State game show Wednesday Thursday um, this week. Our schedules are kind of wonky this week. Um, just. Mm-hmm. You know, we have different uh, issues going on, um, but we'll definitely have a, a pregame show. We put out our Know Your Opponent on Michigan State already. Um, it's out this week, uh, or it was out this morning, um, and it's up on the site. And, you know, just come back, uh, read about the game, uh, learn a little bit about Michigan State, uh, see what IU has to do uh, to win the game, come out victorious, uh, what's a matchup to watch. Um, and, and some numbers that you know matter for for people who are into analytics and and numbers. But thanks for joining us, TJ. Uh, enjoy the rest of your Monday, and we'll talk later in the week. Absolutely, yep. Yeah. Thanks everybody for listening, and uh, I know it's a tough loss, but hang in there. Go Hoosiers, and hopefully they get back on track. Yep, we'll be back later in the week. Uh, keep coming to HoosierHuddle.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore um, huddle. Keep an eye out for our tailgate updates. Uh, we also have a Facebook event, um, but I'm not all Facebook friends with everybody on um, all the IU football fans. But anyway, come out, 
enjoy the um, enjoy beverage, enjoy some food, uh, good company, music, uh, football talk, all that stuff. Um, and we'll see you later in the week. Thanks for listening. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.